Thank you for tuning in to the Tomatolito Show. Welcome back, everybody. And uh, today's episode uh, is going to be um, one that actually got me researching a, a little bit just because of uh, uh, the last couple weeks, the inspiration behind this episode. Last couple weeks, I've, I've gathered around uh, uh, some close family, and uh, we've been able to check out some fights, and the conversations have actually uh, started, and discussions at that as to some of the terminology, uh, the unified champion, the lineal champion, some of the terminology that, that we're accustomed to, to hearing and, um, yet trying to discern as to what is what, who is who, who's the man at each division, that, and also in regards to the sanctioning bodies, uh, who are the sanctioning bodies, which are the major four sanctioning bodies that, that recognize one another and, and the common, uh, knowledge that we have as to the major four belts in, in boxing, as far as that's considered, where the ring championship title came into play. And, uh, there's one title that's actually considered as a legit major title, uh, as far as a European boxing union goes. However, in the U.S., it's not recognized as a, as a major title. It's considered, a it's not considered by the other four, uh, by the major four, uh, or the main four sanctioning bodies. And I'll, and I'll talk about that. So, uh, I started doing some research. I started finding some quick notes here and, uh, and I wanted to go, go over some of the stuff that came up in that conversation and it may help you. You may be wondering the same thing and maybe I could clear up some of the, uh, some of that, those thoughts. Uh, so the lineal champion, obviously that's something that came, that came out. The lineal champion, we were trying to figure out as to, uh, and they're comparing it to other sports as a, the way that it was brought up in the conversation. And, uh, and so the lineal champion, basic, right? The lineal champion is often defined and often referred to as, uh, the man who beat the man. You become the lineal champion when you beat the man at that division. Now in boxing, it's hard because you have, Within the four sanctioning bodies, you often have multiple titles from each sanctioning body and you have interim champs and so forth. So you don't even know who, who's who, right? It's very confusing as far as boxing from a casual fans or, or your, um, your coincidental fans to figure out who's who in boxing because it's just so many titles out there, right? So the lineal championship, uh, for example, the most recent example I could give you would be Teofimo Lopez and Vasily Lomachenko, right? Teofimo Lopez, even though there's other titles out there or versions of the same sanctioning body title, Teofimo Lopez at the moment is considered a man at 135 uh, at the lightweight division. Uh, so the history of the lineal championship could be dated back to... Uh, to or tracked back to the late 1800s, and this is dating back to John L. Sullivan, uh, and that's, uh, John O'Sullivan was obviously a, a heavyweight and, uh, and he was the man to beat back, uh, back in those times, late 1800s. Uh, obviously the person who would beat the champion would become the man at that, at that specific division. So that's a lineal champion, uh, unified champion. What makes a fighter or what makes a boxer a unified champion? The way that it's been defined by the major organizations is a unified champion is one is a boxer who holds two or more of the major sanctioning titles, meaning a IBF champion ends up fighting the WBA champion, IBF champion wins. Now he has the IBF and WBA. That's two of the four major sanctioning bodies, uh, titles that, that that boxer will have. Now he will be considered a unified champion and looking to fight the other uh, two 
boxers who hold uh, or whether that title's vacant or if two other boxers have either one boxer has the two other major titles or two individual boxers have each have a, a title belonging to the other uh, major organizations, then that would be another unification belt or several unification belts to be made in order to reach the undisputed status. And that's the next one, the undisputed champion. Undisputed champion is a fighter who holds all four major championship belts. Now, there's been many undisputed champions to date, right, in, in boxing history, but now we entered the four belt era. So when there was before the four belt era, even though the the last sanctioning body to be recognized was the WBO, um, you had the three belt era, and that was the WBA, the IBF, the WBC. They didn't recognize the uh, the ranking system, and they didn't recognize the WBO as a major title. So throughout the nineties. You saw Lennox Lewis, you saw a multitude of fighters that had the three belts and they were the undisputed champion of said division. Uh, Once the four belt era began, which was around 2004, the first person to pull this off was Bernard Hopkins. Now, Jermaine Taylor was the second person listed and is still considered a second person because he beat the man who held all these titles. So he never fought his way up to the titles. It took him in one shot. He took all those titles, and uh, and that was by defeating Bernard Hopkins. Now, they had a rematch, and Jermaine Taylor defended all the titles, and he cemented himself as the man in the middleweight division at that time. Uh, that was the uh, mid-2000s. In women's boxing at the moment, there's currently three undisputed champs, and that they are Katie Taylor. Uh, from Ireland, you got Jessica McCaskill, who just dethroned Cecilia Brockes earlier this year, and uh, in the middleweight division, Clarissa Shields, and another in Clarissa Shields. So three current undisputed champs in three different weights, lightweight, welterweight, middleweight. An interim champion often gets overlooked, and I just mentioned them earlier. An interim champion, a lot of people think it's a paper title. Uh, it may be, it may, it depends on what you consider. However, there is a purpose for an interim champion and normally the interim championship comes into play at least the the premise behind why it was created was uh if or when a world champion was ordered to defend his or her belt uh against the number one contender and uh and they they weren't able to do so because of personal reasons because uh they're out due to injury or whatever the reason may be right so the interim championship would come into play and you would end up having the number one contender fight the number two contender for the interim belt. Therefore, you would have a champion representing that sanctioning body in that division until the champion returns. And once the champion returns and you would have uh, the interim fight the, uh, the incumbent and then you would end up having that unification type, at least to decide who the main champion is of that division and for that sanctioning body. Um, that's the purpose of the interim championship. Now, in boxing, I can't think of an example, but I know in the UFC, we could definitely think of an example, which is very similar, uh, not as related to sanctioning bodies, but very similar premise as far as interim championship. And most recent, we could give the example of uh, Justin Gagey bringing the interim title uh, with them to face Khabib in uh, in October's fight. Now, 
Gagey's interim title would have he would have become the main champion should he have uh would he have beaten uh Khabib he didn't interim championship is gone out of the picture Khabib won he's the sole standing champion of that um of that division so that's the the one of the most recent examples I could give you guys and not related to boxing but definitely related to uh to the fight game so as far as terminology that's the best of my knowledge of uh, the terms that we were that we were discussing um let's talk about the the sanctioning bodies real briefly um the WBA was uh, the original the WBA was originally uh branded as the NBA just like the National Basketball Association but this was a National Boxing Association it was originally founded in uh in the United States in 1921 and uh there were 13 uh different state representatives that took part into uh into the foundation and the forming of uh the NBA um the NBA was in effect all the way until 1962 now if you notice the name the National Boxing Association as the popularity continued to grow and their reach continued to grow uh throughout the world they rebranded themselves in 1962 the NBA rebranded itself as the WBA which is what we know today and the WBA of course stands for the World Boxing Association so to date it is the oldest of the four sanctioning bodies that's your WBA. Uh, the WBA operates out of the United States um, up until 1975, uh, and then it relocated to Panama City, Panama. Um, in the 90s and 2000s, early 2000s, it moved from Panama to Venezuela. But now since 2007, up until today, they have been back. From 2007, they went back to Panama City, and uh, and they are still there to date. So their main headquarters for the WBA, uh, based out of Panama City, Panama. Now let's jump into the next one, the WBC. Now the WBC is the green belt, right? The WBC, the World Boxing Council. That green belt is often referred to by by fighters as the most prestigious of the bunch. Most of the fighters want to capture that green belt and they feel like whoever has the green belt, at least by public opinion, uh, that's the man to beat in, in said division. It's not the case because there's four sanctioning bodies, but definitely the green belt is seen as one of the more prestigious, uh, belts of the four and, uh, and definitely marquee names, uh, your, your who's who of the marquee, uh, names have carried that green belt around their waist or around their shoulder. Uh, WBC was established in 1963, so a year after the WBA rebranded itself from the NBA, uh, and it operates out of Mexico City, Mexico. And uh, Jose Suleiman was the uh, was the uh, popular face that we would see in a lot of these big, big events that they've hosted. They've hosted possibly uh, some of the biggest events out of the four sanctioning bodies. Um, in its history, in its existence, and now uh, Jose Suleiman has uh, since passed uh, a few years back now, and his son is running the show now for the WBC. Uh, the IBF, the third of the uh, sanctioning bodies, the IBF is, is the uh, International Boxing Federation. It first came into the scene um, as the United States Boxing Association, as the USBA, and that was back in 1977. Uh, it's based out of Springfield, New Jersey. They uh, they sanctioned their first major bout in 1983 under the USBA, and 
And in 84, a year later, the USBA, the IBF slash USBA was adopted. So the name ended up, you, you would end up seeing that branding on the titles. So they were recognized as the IBF slash USBA as of 1984. All the way until a couple years ago in 2018, the USBA was dropped from the name and the organization rebranded itself as uh, solely under the IBF uh, brand. So International Boxing Federation, now the USBA name has been removed from those titles as a slash or a dash on there. It's just the sole IBF branding now. Now the USBA still operates and now the IBF functions as a, as an overall umbrella and the USBA is under that umbrella and, uh, and it's a title that's awarded for or utilized as a regional title now rather than an international title. So the USBA is still in effect, just not a, it's kind of a separate entity now, uh, uh, and part of the IBF. Uh, the WBO is the fourth of the major sanctioning bodies, and this is the last, uh, of the sanctioning bodies to join. Um, the youngest of the four. Now, the World Boxing Organization, uh, they were around for a few years since the late eighties. They're based out of San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, the WBO came into existence in 1988, but it was not recognized by the other three major uh, sanctioning bodies and organizations uh, as a major title. So the the WBA was the first to jump on board, and uh, the IBF later in the 90s jumped on board, but the WBC would refuse to recognize the WBO and its ranking system or its title as a major sanctioning body until 2004. And uh, around 2004 is when the WBC gave its final blessing and we begin the four belt era, um, just around the mid 2000s, early to mid 2000s. So 2004, give or take is the time timeline that I was able to track down. Um, the other one that we see, we saw it in the Rocky movies. Uh, we, we see it all over the place. Tyson Fury with this belt, the cloth, the cloth belt with the gold plates. Um, and it has the, uh, the U.S. colors. So the ring, that's the ring championship title, right? That is not one of the major, of the four major sanctioning, uh, bodies. The ring championship, uh, it's basically, uh, the, it's basically the linear title. So whoever has that is recognized uh, by the public as and the fan base. They're recognized within the sport as whoever has that cloth U United States pattern title. Uh, they are the linear, the linear champion of the weight. Um, so it's basically like the, the linear reign to, to the throne, right? Uh, it's commonly referred to as... The man, right? Whoever has that title, which is kind of what we were talking about earlier uh, with the terminology, the man to be is the man who carries that ring title. The ring began awarding the championship belts in 1922. So this dates back quite a ways back, right? 1922 uh, was just a year after the NBA came into existence or the WBA as we know it today. Um, and this was uh, the ring magazine, right? Now, the first ring, uh, world title was awarded to the heavyweight champion, then heavyweight champion, uh, Jack Dempsey. The ring stopped giving belts to world champions in the, in the nineties. And, uh, and they reintroduced their title in 2002, ignoring 
the current ranking and the current, uh, the current, uh, yep, the rankings as, as they existed in 2002. The ring just came back, brought their title back into existence and awarded it to none other than Roy Jones Jr., which made him the lineal light heavyweight champion. Even though he wasn't at the time, according to the sanctioning bodies and the rankings at the time, the ring came out, awarded it to Roy, and, and he became the lineal light heavyweight champion in, uh, in 2002. So that's, that's a little fun fact there, right? That they just basically skipped the line and, and just awarded it to who they felt like awarding it to. So it, it was based out of, uh, the ring, the ring title dates back to the ring magazine itself, often known as a ring magazine championship. But in short, we just know it as the ring, ring title. Now there's one organization that I mentioned earlier that is recognized by the European Boxing Union, but it's, it's not recognized as a legit or major title here in the United States and definitely not recognized by the other four major sanctioning bodies. And that is the IBO. The IBO, if you, you've seen this title out there, um, numerous times and you see a lot of big names that have this title the IBO the International Boxing Organization uh, they were founded in 1988 same year as the WBO and they're based out of Florida uh, it is recognized uh, it is not recognized by the main four bodies like I just mentioned um, it is uh, Europe recognizes it uh, and there's a there's a website a ranking a computerized ranking system and the website is boxrec B-O-X-R-E-C. If you ever check out BoxRec, they have a computerized uh, system in which they they provide a, a unique ranking system. Awesome website. Awesome website. You could gather a lot of good information off that website. And uh, BoxRec recognizes the IBO as a legit title. And, uh, and in Europe, of course, right? Uh, the organization utilizes the computerized system, which eliminates subjective elements, meaning personal preference or opinion by some of these sanctioning bodies, right? It's not a, it's not a, a buddy system type thing that they award the titles to. Uh, they eliminate the subjective elements from the, ra- from the ratings uh, in an effort to provide more credibility to the sport of boxing. As of 2014, just six years ago, the organization began utilizing specifically that website that I mentioned of BoxRec. Uh, and, uh, and that box rec is basically an independent boxing record, record keeping. Um, and, and they provide the computerized, uh, rankings, uh, through that website. So check it out. If you haven't checked it out, it's awesome website. You could find all kinds of details there. Um, all kinds of history on, on any boxer that you could think of. Uh, IBO, um, as far as the way that the ranking goes and the premise behind this uh, organization, they recognize only one champion per division. So you don't have super champions, diamond champions, franchise champions, interim champions. They recognize one champion per division. And to date, they've had a who's who of fighters that you could think of that have held the IBL title. As of now, there's two big names that currently hold IBF, or IBF, the IBO championship. One, both of these fighters, actually, I was going to say one, and I, I just recalled both of them have fights coming up and you recognize these names. Two of the people, these are marquee names at the moment, two of the people that currently are fighters that currently hold an IBO title. One of them will be fighting uh, in a week's time. And that is Anthony Joshua holds the IBO title in the heavyweight division. Uh, and this is current. And Gennady Golovkin, who is going to fight the night before the Canelo fight, um, 
he holds the IBL title for the middleweight division. So two big names. And like I said, numerous marquee names that have carried this title around their waist. And uh, so the IBL to date doesn't get recognized by the other sanctioning bodies, but it is a legit title. Uh, if you consider it and definitely considered in Europe, uh, big names that have carried this title. So with that said, hopefully it clears up some of this confusion, uh, that's seems to be ongoing, but, um, that's it. That's all I got for you guys today. So thank you guys for tuning in again to the Tomatolito show. And I got plenty more episodes, uh, coming your way in the next few days. Take care.